The NBA TV deal is going to look a little bit different this season. We'll talk about what that means for you and whether we think it's a good idea or not. What if James Harden ends up back out West? What does that mean for Denver, given his history of success versus the Nuggets? And is Denver going to play faster or slower this season? All that and more on Locked on Nuggets. You are Locked on Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily source for all things Nuggets from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to have you with us. Thanks for joining us on whatever platform that you've chosen, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star reviews, please. Spotify, or if you're checking us out on YouTube, catching a live version of the show here on Tuesday night for Wednesday show. Folks hanging out with us on every live show. All you got to do is go to the YouTube page, youtube.com slash locked on nuggets, turn on notifications, hit that like button and subscribe. And you can join folks like Josh Winninger and Zamora and John P. Malik Moore hanging out with us. Nice last name, Malik. Uh, hanging out with us and, and uh, enjoying a nice Tuesday night in the offseason with a good uh, 10 days or so before the start of training camp and your Denver Nuggets. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. I'm joined for his uh first i guess official not like the first one was like the introductory uh his first appearance here as a co-host of locked on nuggets swipe a swipe a cam on twitter swipe how you doing man i'm living it's been a great day today a lot of stuff to talk about i'm very excited that the nba season is right around the corner i feel like it's been entirely too long since the nba finals ended so i can't wait to be back in the swing of things it's gonna be a lot of fun uh i have been not like I've done various like work things over the summer and you know, it kind of ramps up for me. This was the first week where I was like, man, I'm ready for games to be back. Like I'm mm -hmm. ready for the grind. I'm ready for that full slate of games on a Wednesday, trying to pick through all the games. I'm ready for, for tuning on the nuggets with all of those eight thirty starts when they're on, when they're traveling on the road, I'm ready for being back in the arena and seeing everybody. Uh, I'm really, I, I we'll, we'll talk a lot about it the week of the game, but I am so excited to see that banner drop. Like I just, yeah. I'm gonna, I get chills thinking about it every single time. Think about what that's gonna be like. Um, well, your first year in Denver was 2012. Mm, yeah, 2012-13 was my first season. Yeah. Right. So yeah, you've been waiting basically 11 full years for this. Did Did you ever think that you were gonna see it back then? No. Um, I've talked about this before that like I've I've oftentimes sat in my media seat and looked up and been like. I wonder what a banner would look like up there. Like, can you imagine like a, like a banner up there, not just the retired jerseys um, and, and, and all those. And I, I do want to credit the nuggets for not hanging the division banners. They hang those in the practice facility. Good for them for having like enough dignity to be like, no, 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 we don't celebrate division banners, like keep it there. And so um, it's going to be really cool to see that banner drop. I'm extremely excited. I think it's gonna be a very cool moment. Uh, and I'm actually not going to record it on my phone. I'm sure Harrison Wynn will. <laughs> You'll be able to see it on DMVR. Um, but, yeah, I'm just going to watch it and just kind of try and be in the moment there because I think it's going to be really cool to uh, have been a part of this community for 11 years and, and see that thing uh, finally drop. Uh, let's talk a little well, bit about yeah. – go ahead. No, hit. no Yeah, I can ask you. So, like, you know, obviously, what does it feel like for you being on this end of it, having watched and then covered the team – and you participated, obviously, the development of the organization to some degree, obviously, as an outsider. But I think reporting and getting the relationships and knowing the people from the front office to the players, how does it feel like for you personally, I guess, watching it go from 
all the way the JaVel McGee days and the Ty Lawson days and the Iggy days to where you are now with Joker, Maul, MPJ, and Gordon? I think it's been I, – I feel really fortunate to have seen both the highs and the lows because those those Shaw years, even though I think Brian's a really good man, um, those, those years were really pathetic and terrible. And it was fascinating to watch a team fail so miserably under one front office um, and then – have so much success after with the same front office. And then that leads into uh, obviously Calvin and his success last year. Um, it's amazing to me to see like the same security people I've walked by for 11 years um, and the same parking lot attendants and uh, the same, you know, concessions workers and, you know, knowing folks in the front office that have been there this whole time. It's been, that's been really really amazing to see um from the player side i think it's been really cool just to see the maturation um to see how much because like i have to kind of like i do i have to remind myself of like jamal's not a kid anymore like jamal's mm-hmm. like J- jamal jamal's jamal's a man and jamal's not the 19 year old trying to make his way in the nba anymore you know like jamal's gonna be 27 and uh he's now an nba champion and um, kind of recognizing that like, oh, like I saw these guys go from rookies that were just 19 year old kids into an MVP in Nicola's case or into a guy that, you know, has such a big reputation in the playoffs. Like those kind of things I think are I'm really fortunate. I feel really fortunate to have gotten to see that that transformation uh, yeah. and to see the whole way through. So today yeah. there was a report that talked about uh, essentially there's going to be some changes with national tv availability with the nba package nothing goes away um and that's i think important to note here is that like you're still gonna see tnt still gonna have the same games but warner owns tnt and so the nba is gonna stream some of its games on hbo max this season uh Mm -hmm. two opening night games 65 regular season games the in-season tournament, All-Star Saturday night, and the All-Star game, playoffs, including the Western Conference Finals, will stream on HBO Max. And the reason I think that this is interesting is less about what it is for the season, because this is mostly like, well, we have the rights, we might as well do this. This, to me, is also, uh, you you need to keep in mind that when the NBA does something like this, they don't do these things on like a, sure, they're very protective of the property. And so if they're doing this, it's likely that they want to see if we were to sell to a purely streaming format mm-hmm. provider, what does that look like? Like, wh- what do our numbers look like? How quality is the stream? Um, how smooth is the transition? How is his max as a partner? Because with the new media deal coming up in a couple of years, there's a lot of speculation that while this is going to be a tension point and it's honestly becoming like, it's going to be fascinating to see how this works out. Uh, we'll talk about like the ramifications of it, but the NBA's I think goal is to sneak one more massive media TV deal in before things really dramatically change here over the next couple of years and do so with a full-time provider that mm-hmm. is going to be like, you're going to be able to have everything like all of the games will be on there. And I actually think they're probably going to get rid of local rights in a lot of cases because of the number of failures of the local RSNs. Like the blackout rules would actually go extinct at that point because the NBA would just be like, look, this is a broken model. 
we can sell to a, a singular provider and all the games will be on there. And to me, this feels very much like a test of whether or not that's viable or not. Yeah, I think, you know, even just looking at what the NFL did, you know, they just took the NFL Sunday ticket away from DirecTV and they gave it to YouTube TV. And I think that's an example of we're in a modern era where everybody wants to have absolute access to all of the games. And you've been hearing the complaints for a number of years. Obviously, the NBA has watched what's happened in Denver with Altitude and Crocky Sports and Entertainment. They've watched all this stuff happen. And I think now is what is be the solvent for this issue. And so putting it on a singular stream, I think it would give people more unfiltered and unmitigated access to the NBA games. And I think, again, putting a bundle together for people to be able to buy that. And I think one of the great things about it is, since there's no additional cost, 65 games is not like a small amount of games. Opening night games, not a small amount of games. And then on top of that, having the Western Conference Finals, having the All-Star game, that's just going to be a way for people to get used to being on a new format and a new program like this. And so I actually think it's really smart. And it depends on where you are. Obviously, I think, you know, Matt, you don't want to see the the local channels get cut out of watching the NBA and covering the NBA because obviously that's people's jobs. And, you know, yeah. there's a lot of financial ramifications for that stuff. But I think where we're headed and the way that especially I will say the 40 and under community is consuming information and consuming content, streaming platforms are, are here and they're here to stay. And they're also a part of the future that we're headed to. So. I think the NFL doing this and taking the Sunday ticket to YouTube TV was the biggest move that was made to go in this direction. But I think now with HBO, especially with HBO Max and the way they're already targeting their programming, I think that this is just going to be the first step of many to make a full-time transition into using streaming as the option for uh, people that love the NBA to be able to watch the games. And honestly, Matt, if you have an Xbox, you have a PlayStation, you have your phone, you can watch – all NBA games on any of those platforms whenever you want. So I think it's just an accessibility that this offers. And I think it's going to happen sooner or later. And so I think this is a good test route for him. Zamora asks, how does not having a consistent way to watch the games not hurt the NBA's pockets majorly? And the answer is that it does. Um, I think a good way to kind of put this is that the owners in the 1970s and the eight, like winning time, right? in that transformation as the league started to get more popular with magic and bird. And then later with Jordan, um, we saw a transition happen from, Hey, I would just like this thing to be profitable at all to now it's, is this profitable enough to be worth my time? And that shift is very significant in terms of how we talk about these things. And um, when we talk about these RSNs, a lot of it is that the teams don't, my understanding from talking to the altitude people is that the streaming viability is way less than we consider it to be. And the Clippers have kind of proven this where there hasn't been um, like the Clippers local broadcast that they've done independently. Like you can stream Clippers games if you're local. Um, they are, that's like a, that's a money hole. It's a pit. Like they lose money on that product. Balmer's position has been, from my understanding, um, and I think he's pretty, like, between us here on this show, uh, Steve Ballmer is, is, in my opinion, the smartest current owner of the NBA. That's my personal assessment. And one of the reasons is that he has talked about things like, we need an innovation. We have to try things. Like, we have to discover new ways of doing things. And we have to invest in research and development. And one of the things I think that, that 
like he's been willing to do that on the Clipper side to try and get the others to do it because if they were the band together, they could try things with major momentum behind them to find solutions for some of these problems. But some other owners who will go nameless uh, do not like investing money in innovation. They do not like investing money if there's not a direct return. If they're not going to actually make money off of it, they don't want to. And that causes, I think, some of the problems in solving these issues. Uh, so the, I think the answer to the question there is, you know, Zamora says, wouldn't it be within their best interest to make it as available as possible? And the answer is no, because the, t the providers sell the airtime for the commercials. And what winds up happening here is they all want the cable bundle money. Like that's what they want is they want to go back to the way it was. And that's probably just never happening again. Like it's just not going to exist again. We're already seeing bundling of uh, of streaming services starting to come out. Like that's going to start happening more and more. We're going to move, start moving back towards bundles the way the cable was bundled together. We're going to start seeing that more and more. But I do think that uh, one of the good news is I think you kind of mentioned the local jobs and things like that. There will that will probably be taken care of because you're still going to need people that can actually put on the games. Like you need people mm -hmm. that can actually run the technical side of those games. The question is just going to be, can any one streaming entity, is any one streaming entity really worth, really willing to put the money forth to not only buy the broadcast rights, but then pay for the distribution of all of these different entities and handle ad sales and whatever else is going to have to come with it. Um, those I think are part of like why these things are so complicated. I'm concerned because I think long-term there's a possibility that this winds up, um, with a move back in BRI and basketball related income and salaries could go down in the future if they do not manage this well. This is a big challenge I think that Adam Silver is going to have and we'll see how he handles it. On the other side, I want to talk about James Harden and the possibility of him being out West. I want to get swipe his thoughts on Harden's not what he used to be, but he's can still be a real pain. What if Harden comes back out West? What does that mean for Denver? We'll talk about that on the other side. Want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical. So I get sick just about every single year here in Colorado. I get respiratory infections, the altitude, whatever it is, getting older. I don't bounce back the way that I used to. And oftentimes I have to go to the doctor and get an antibiotic. And that can take some time because they're resistant to, to give them out. And sometimes my doctor's not available. I can't get in those types of things. And it's a real pain, quite honestly. And the thing about Jace is that you can get emergency antibiotics in the Jace case. And that way you can handle the unexpected. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure that you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from online evaluation to licensed pharma pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care with a licensed physician. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off by using code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code LOCKEDON. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. Back here on Locked on Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making this part of your day. Swipe is here along with me on a Tuesday night, uh, getting you set for your Wednesday show, or if you're listening to us on Wednesday, glad to have you with us. So, Swipe, uh, there was a report over the weekend about how the, the Clippers had, quote, moved on 
from James Harden and we're not no longer pursuing that deal. I had heard things were pretty quiet on that front. Um, I kind of think that there's still a likelihood that that's going to get picked back up that Kawhi and PG will get into town and start coming to the gym and they'll start talking and they'll be like, yeah. And I think they'll probably want him because guys usually want guys that were among the elites in their class or era of kind of the, when they were absolute peak and Harden was coming up to the same time that Paul George was making his name and Kawhi. And Mm -hmm. I think it's the same reason that Russ is there. I think that they will want Kawhi Leonard. And if not, there's still a pretty good chance considering that there's, you know, 14 teams out West that would probably consider uh, looking at him, at least be open to the possibility Denver, not being one of them. Uh, There's a pretty good possibility. He winds up out West. And so Harden, played really well and and the nuggets had a lot of problems with Harden's rockets through the years. Now, this is not that Harden, but I'm kind of curious about your thoughts on what do you think about the idea if Denver's going to have to deal with James Harden in the Western Conference going forward? Are we talking regular season or playoffs? We'll start with regular season. Yeah, sure, regular season. Yeah, I mean, he averaged 21 uh, 11 on 61% true shooting last year. So basically, he was uh, you know, a very much lesser version of, of a Magic Johnson version of a player. So, like, great. Yeah, I think he's a really good player. Uh, him and Joel Embiid had the best two-man game in the NBA last year. I think James Harden paired next to a very good rim-running bid. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful matchup. I do – I have ideated that what would it look like with James Harden, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Ibika Zubac? What would that look like? How good they would be? I think they would be a very good basketball team. I think that would be a team that would accumulate a lot of regular season wins if healthy that would be the best playmaker that Kawhi Leonard had arguably played with throughout his entire career and you know obviously Russell Westbrook would probably still be there on that deal as well and again you know having Paul George there I mean they they would be a very fierce I think quartet with Ibiza Dubak because I think of what he would be able to do uh, in terms of as a finisher and then even as an inside rim protector at times um, but you know defensively you know James Harden is just not like somebody that you need to be scared of at all on the perimeter. And so he can be had. He's a much better post defender, obviously, than people have realized over the years. You know, it's kind of been a part of his little, like it's his uh, his basketball charisma. People have associated with post defense with him as a guard. So I think they would be very good. But I think the same thing is the same thing with the Clippers as always, is how many games could you get with Harden, Kawhi, and Paul George? When they do play together, they're probably going to be one of the best three-man pairings in the NBA, bar none. But I think getting there, having that chemistry and them them all kind of sinking and making it work in a regular season setting, yeah, I think they could easily end up being, if they play 55-plus games together, I think that could be a top three seed with all of them on the court together. I think they could be that good. Yeah, it's just really hard to believe that they're actually going to do it. They say that they're going to take the regular season more seriously. And I, I will say, and I've been, I've been kind of on this train for a while, I think Paul George gets unfairly lumped in with a lot of this where PG's had, like, legit injuries. Like, he suffers, like, un, he suffers, like, a knee sprain or weird things like wrist injuries or whatever shoulders are another thing. Like he's physical plays through stuff and gets hurt with Kawhi. It's usually just the leg problem. And don't get me wrong. Like he's had to have surgery on the knee repeatedly. So it's clearly caused issues with his strength and, and endurance. But you know, I do think that PG kind of gets, gets lumped in with this a little bit unfairly. Cause he has just had like a bad run of injuries, but still you're right that uh, you do have to wonder if they're just going to be available and Harden, I think it's kind of the same kind of thing where, he used to play all 82 because he was gunning for MVP and he started to back off of that. Now he misses a lot more time and it's just harder for him to go that much. I do think on the court, it's going to be interesting because Denver switches a lot more now than it, than it used to. And that's, 
Harden is extremely good versus drop coverage and Harden's extremely good versus switches. He does struggle a little bit when you do put two on ball. He's a great passer out of it. He knows he's probably, I don't know. I, I would put him top five of guys that can pass out of uh, at the level coverage, whether it's a blitz or, or just a hedge. He's really good at being able to reverse the ball. He he's an extremely good passer. Like Harden's phenomenal passer. Um, I really don't think people understand how good of a passer he is in terms of the mechanics. Like the way we talk about passing is always baffling to me because what makes Nicola special is that he finds ex- like incredible angles to pass from, but his delivery is almost always on target too. Like Jokic puts the ball ex- right in the pocket. Like he puts it exactly where it needs to be. A lot of guys can make like flashy passes, but the actual mechanic of how hard it's thrown, how much time does that give the defender to catch up if it's not thrown hard enough, and the location in the pocket, those things aren't as good. Harden's mm-hmm. excellent at all of those things. And so I kind of wonder, you know, would he still be able to attack the Nugget switches or with MPJ and his athleticism and what he's kind of been through. And especially with Aaron Gordon being able to pressure him and with KCP, the Nuggets are harder to find mismatches now. And the Nuggets aren't going to give him the Jokic switch. They just won't surrender that. Well, so I do kind of wonder if maybe the, that time is gone for Harden to be able to dominate. But I think it's an interesting question. Well, I guess even with that, though, if you're hunting switches, how much is Harden going to actually be on ball enough to be able to hunt those switches if he has Kawhi and PG on the court with him? Because mm-hmm. unless you're basically turning into primary spot-up shooters at times when he's on the court with him. I don't. I just don't know if that's how he would function in that offense. But does he have the ability to do it? Yes, I think, versus particular matchups with the Nuggets. Um, but, again, it just really depends on – I think everything with the Nuggets, I've been thinking about this, Matt, is while that's true, you're going to try to find some advantages on offense. I think the issue, though, with the Nuggets is Harden, Kawhi, George, and then per- perhaps you'd be Zubak and whoever they keep at the four – assuming they give away one of Marcus Morris or Robert Covington or whatever it's going to be in that deal, that's still, they're going to have to go on the other side of the court and defend, you know? And so I think that's where it comes down to is the math problem is will James Harden be able to create enough offense to negate what the Nuggets are doing on the other side of the court? And then on top of that, if he is going to be a heavier isolation player, what well, does that then take away from the strength of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George while they're on the court with them or one or the other, uh, if they're staggering. Let me ask you this. If I told you that, let's say that Harden doesn't go to the Clippers, but he does go, he could go West. He could go West. Who would you rather have in the, in the Western Conference next year for four games against the Nuggets and potentially a playoff series? There, you could only have like one of them will be there and one of them will be in the East. Would you rather have Dame in the West or Harden in the West? Damian Lillard mm-hmm. with the Portland Trailblazers? Any team in the Western Conference. Like, in terms of rather you want to see the Nuggets face against. Yeah. Like, what would be better for Denver? Would it be better for Denver for Dame to go east or Harden to stay east? No, James Harden. Yeah, I think Damian Lillard's ability to be a pull-up shooter and Dame's ability to extend the defense basically 40 feet out, I think is what causes so many issues for the Nuggets. Now, I will say that Dame has never – he beat the Nuggets, obviously, when they were pups. But I think now – if Jamal Murray's on the court, he offsets a lot of his production. But I do think for sure that having Dane being able to extend the court out and then – he's not the passer that James Harden is, not the playmaker, creator for other people that he is. But I think just from a threat standpoint, I think Damian Lillard is just a about a tier and a half better player than James Harden is at this point in the career. And I would even argue, Matt, last year, could you make an argument that Damian Lillard might have been the third best offensive player in the league in a regular season setting last year? So – 
just with that alone in that pull-up shooting, I just think that this would trump anything James Harden, James Harden would do in the playoffs. I think. I think that's an interesting question. Uh, we'll see what Adam has to say about it. Adam says he'd rather have Dame. So he'd rather he, – he would uh, – he'd rather face Dame, which is an interesting – Dynamic. We'll get Adam's thoughts on that on Friday's show. On the other side, we're going to talk about are the Nuggets going to be faster or slower this season? It's a basic question, but I think it's got a lot to do with what the identity of this team is going to be. Uh, we'll talk about that on the other side. But first, I need to tell you about FanDuel Sportsbook. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. It's a teaser weekend for me. I have teased, quite frankly, I've teased too many games already. I jumped on these on Sunday night. Uh, I've teased the Bills. I've teased the Jags. I've teased the Eagles. I've teased the Saints. Like just an avalanche, really, of uh, of teasers for me. Oh, and the Rams when they were when they were uh, at at plus two this morning. So um, no way this goes badly. Absolutely no way this goes bad. I'm also probably, honestly, I'm going to bet on uh, Cardinals money line, which there's no way that hits, but the money's, the number's going to be way too good. And you can do the same if you want to throw your money away or find better bet at FanDuel. The app's easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options. You can bet spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making this part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us. Matt Morin and Swipa hanging out with you on a Wednesday. If you're listening to us on the podcast, appreciate everybody hanging out with us in the chat segment on the live show as well. Uh, you can join that by going to youtube.com slash Locked On Nuggets. Just turn on notifications and you can check it out when you're hanging out and you catch us live. So Swipa last season, um, the Nuggets predictably, because they're always going to be pretty slow with Nikola Jokic. Uh, they were 24th in pace and Adam and I have talked a lot about this, about the importance, not necessarily of the number of possessions, but about tempo. And those are two different things between pace and tempo. But one thing that's kind of interesting is that the team last year was an absolutely elite squad in transition offense. It was one of the best offenses we've seen over the last 10 years in scoring per possession in transition. And that boosted up what was a really good, but not top three half court offense. And, some of those numbers are obviously impacted by the, the non-Jokic minutes, which is important to consider. But with this new squad and how young the bench is, and you've got Peyton Watson, and you've got Christian Brown, and you've got Julian Strother, these are all guys that have, bring a lot of athleticism, I think, to the table. And we know that the bench unit needs to find ways to score because that's been such a consistent issue. I think they'll still play really slow when Jokic is on the court. But I do kind of wonder whether this team will be faster or slower than last year. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I think initially my first reaction is as slow as they were last year. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't really know. I think with Joker on the floor, I think they're just going to play at the pace they, they play at. It's just pretty methodical. Everything extremely calculated. I will say that I know I've heard Adam talk about this often. I've even heard you mention it. Uh, Jamal Murray playing faster, getting the offense set quicker, getting the ball up the court. Uh, with 20 seconds left on the shot clock, 18 seconds on the shot clock. I think that stuff is important. So I think Jamal, if he wants to get the defense in a bind and and put more pressure on the defense further ahead in the shot clock, then I do see that they can play faster. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, 
Peyton Watson, Christian Brown, Zeke Naji, obviously Reggie Jackson, Jalen Pickett, Hunter Tyson. Now, they might play a little faster because they're going to have to because, honestly, uh, unless you can tell me a little different, when Jokic isn't on the court, I think they're going to have issues scoring. And so the best way they can score is by running off of rebounds or off of steals or even off of just inbounding the ball quickly and getting the ball down the court. So I think the young ends will play a little bit faster. But I think the second unit is more than likely going to have to play faster because I don't know if they're going to be able to score consistently unless they do run in transition a lot. I'm going to say they're going to play faster next season. And even uh, in, in the Jokic minutes, I think they'll play a little bit faster. Last season, they spent 17.7%, about 18% of the time in transition sequences. That's via Synergy Sports. That's the highest of any year in the Jokic era. And there's a very strong correlation here that you can point to, which is the defense was better. You get more stops and you're able to run more effectively. It's way harder to run after made baskets. I do think that with Jokic, I don't know. I don't, I don't think, I don't think this is an opinion. I don't think that we'll see fatigue or pacing show up in terms of the average game performance. I think his average level of, of uh, effort level will be pretty consistent. And I don't think he'll like downshift a lot. And as part of that, it honestly, there may be stretches where it's easier for Jokic to play faster. Like that's it's running and that's a lot of work obviously, but sometimes guys actually like playing faster because it's just a little bit more rhythmic and it's not as much of a grind and especially if the Nuggets tend to coast on defense, which I think is pretty easy to, to see them doing. If they're going to coast on one end, it's probably going to be on that end because they can they still can outscore teams. Very easy way to compensate for that is just to run, push the pace, and be able to execute in those situations. You combine that with what I expect to be a better condition, Jamal Murray, and you talked about this, about Michael Porter Jr. being healthy, really, for the first time in years. You put those two kind of things together, I think there's a good chance that this team is actually going to have a little bit more giddy up in the regular season, even if they're pacing themselves in terms of intensity level, there's speed and there's intensity level. And those two things aren't necessarily the same in the NBA, especially in the regular season. You combine that with the, with the bench guys, right? Like Peyton Watson, Christian Brown, those guys are just great runners. Like they are great rim runners. Uh, and then I think there will be, will be times depending on how the lineup shake out where you will see some of those outlet passes happen a little more frequently even in the minutes where Jokic is not on the floor. And so uh, I think ultimately, I think this will be a little bit of a faster team, which will probably lead to a little bit better offensive rating overall. Like this might be a better offensive team than last year. Last year was really good. And you could tell that their peak was like high, high, high level. Um, And I think that might show up here. We talked a little bit uh, in the the show on Sunday about kind of what the season is going to look like for the Nuggets and the big predictions. I do think that the Nuggets might be better offensively, even with my concerns for their overall record. So do you think that they'll finish the year as the best offense in the NBA, finish the season instead of tail off like they did last season? That's a good question. Um, you know, the high mark last season was 118.6 non-schedule adjusted, just regular uh, offensive rating. Denver was a 116.8. So that's like 1.8 is the jump. That's a lot. Like that's a big jump to make it essentially a two point jump in, in efficiency. Now Boston's going to think not perhaps put up that kind of number. And I keep waiting for some sort of regression because the numbers last season were out of whack, but they've been out of whack the last couple of years. 
I don't have any real reason to think that they will change. There's no rule changes coming. The league is not putting emphasis mm. on that. Um, I kind of think probably not just because I have a hard time seeing Jamal playing enough minutes across enough games to lift the bench units enough to get there. Like, I think the more interesting question is probably like, will Nikola Jokic's offensive rating be the highest it's ever been? And that might be possible. Yeah, I mean, if Jamal is healthy to start the season, we don't have, as Jokic said, the 25 bad Murray games. Then I think that from the onset, I think they're going to be a dominant offensive team. And I think with Joker on the court, again, I think I think this year, you know, he this is his age 28 season. And if you look at like other players of a similar archetype, whether it be Steph, Jordan, Braun, Bird, Shaq, about this time, you start really settling in to your mind is in a place as, as sharp as it's ever been, but physically you're also probably as good as you're ever going to be. And yeah. so I think this is going to be a very unique year from Joker where I think as a big, this could be the most dominant season he's ever had, but I also think this is going to be the smartest season. So I just think that I think whatever, and that's what I'm actually curious about. Like what does this next step look like from Joker to now that when he's on the court, like, the Nuggets are just annihilating you in just a different way. And again, it could be the transition stuff because, you know, we saw Anthony Davis last year in a regular season when Joker was playing against him, just beating him down the court, beating DeAndre Ayton down the court in the playoffs and getting a situation where he can have a one-on-one -on -one with a smaller guy. So, you know, we'll find out. Yeah, it's a scary question, right? Which is, what if he doesn't coast? What if this is the best year of Jokic's career? What does that look like? Are you actually nervous about that? I know the two year we talked about the Olympics and all that kind of stuff, but are you concerned that he won't want to give it all right away? I think he'll pace himself. I just think he has to. I think he's competing for championships now. Mm -hmm. And I think he's played, I just think he played so much basketball between, between when they went into the bubble in 2020 and June, he played an absurd amount of basketball. I mean, it was bubble month off 82 games, short off season, um, 72 games, playoffs, come back, 80, you know, 82, first round exit, three months off, two months off, uh, FIBA qualifiers, right in a training camp, 69 games, championship run. <laughs> like, it's just mm -hmm. he's Nikola Jokic has played an incredible amount of basketball between uh, July of 2022 and now. Like he just played it like an incredible amount in June of this year. That was an incredible stretch of, of basketball from a production and performance standpoint, but also just amount the amount of basketball he played. And so I think he'll probably you know pace himself. But if he doesn't, if I'm wrong on that, then. This could be the best version of Jokic that we've ever seen, and that would, quite frankly, be scary hours for the rest of the NBA. Let's go wrap it up for Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys being with us. We'll be back with you tomorrow with another show, and then on Friday, you'll be able to catch Adam and Swipa in their first team up on the new format. Make sure to hit us up on Twitter at Locked On Nuggets. Have yourselves a great night. We'll see you guys again tomorrow on Locked On Nuggets.